Exodus chapter 14 and verse 1. In the Word of God. This is so good. I want to show you some things that I have, that I've been finding, that I've been finding. Show you some things, and uh, we're going to talk about them today. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1 in the Word of God. The Bible says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. He said, Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Phiharoth. Okay, I'm probably going to butcher that, all right? That's okay. Between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. Okay, as many of you know, they are running from Pharaoh and his army. Okay, they're running from them. And God said, Hey, instead of continuing to run, I want you to stop here. Instead of continuing to run, I want you to stop here because I'm going to show you something. And God said, I'm going to show you something powerful, so I need you to stay here. And he's tricking, watch this in verse 3. It says, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness, okay? I know many of you have never been trapped in the wilderness, all right, trapped in the wilderness, okay? And it says this, and once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you, okay? So this sounds like a weird plan to me. It sounds like a weird, hey, stop here. We're going to kind of confuse Pharaoh, and we're going to get him chasing after you again, making you think, making him think that you're lost in the wilderness. There's no way that you can get out. He says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And watch this, God speaking, verse 4, I've planned this. In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told, okay? It's really imperative. It's really important that when God gives a direction, that we follow it. Can I get an amen right there? So the thing he has asked each and every one of us to do is point number one. Leave Egypt... Or leave sin, or leave slavery, and enter into the promised land, or enter into salvation, or enter into a right relationship with God. Am I making sense to you this morning? So when God raised up Moses, somebody say, at just the right time. Oh man, he raised up Moses at just the right time to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses presented a series of petitions to Pharaoh to let God's people go. And it's kind of funny because Moses was running from Pharaoh. Moses was running from Egypt. Remember, he killed an Egyptian. You guys remember some of the stories, right? And now he's got to go back, and he's got to tell Pharaoh, hey, I took all the people out, and we've escaped. But God, he, he, he wants to tell you something else. You know, it's just crazy stories that we see, and we watch all of this. And so the Scripture teaches that as Pharaoh was hardened of heart, he resisted, and a series of plagues and calamities befell before the land culminating, watch this, with the event that came to be known as the Passover. The Passover was so incredible for the people of God, but so devastating and destructive for those who didn't believe or who wouldn't believe. And it said this, on that fateful night, an angel of death struck down every firstborn son of the Egyptians, but passed over the homes of the Israelites, destroyed, do you see what I'm saying? Destroyed the unbeliever, but rescued and saved the believer. Amen. Through what? The blood of the lamb. 
And it said this, uh, scripture talks about this, that the angel of death passed over the homes of the Israelites who had applied their blood of a spotless land on on the doorposts and the sides of the door to recognize when that angel of death death came through, we believe, we trust in the blood of the lamb, we trust in the blood of God. Come on, somebody. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. So although Pharaoh relented, he went ahead and let the people go. He's heartbroken. His, his, his son is, is dead. This was not the end of their journey. In fact, it was just the beginning as they did not enter the promised land for 40 more years. Listen, I don't want you to wait 40 more years to enter into all the good things that God has planned for your life. Right? So we see this and we watch this space. And it's the same for you and I. We have not yet entered into all the blessings that are waiting for us in our spiritual promised land. We've not entered all the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. We've not entered all the things that God wants to do in and through your heart. We've not entered all the things that God wants to utilize you in. In his kingdom, amen, and in his purposes. And Pharaoh, here he is, he did not give up just because the people left Egypt. Just like the devil. Just because you stepped out and you said, hey, I'm going to give my heart to, uh, to Christ. I'm going I'm to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ this weekend, uh, you know, or this Sunday. It doesn't mean the devil's going to stop bothering you. It's not how that happens. And Pharaoh could not stand the thought that he had just lost an estimated 3 million slaves. 3 million. So he decided to go after them. It's just like the devil does with us. He can't stand the idea that we are now free from his power. Amen. Free from his influence. And he'll do everything he can to try to drag us back into Egypt. Or drag us back into bondage. Or drag us back into depression. Or drag us back into frustration and bitterness and unforgiveness. That's his move. That's his signature move. Dragging you back. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want us free. He doesn't want us victorious in Christ. And you may know this and understand this because each and every one of us, you may be out of Egypt, but Egypt is not out of you. All right? You may be out of sin, but sin's not out of you. Can you hear what I... You may be out of the depression for now, but I could just drag them right back in if I wanted to. I just got to drop a couple of hints. I just got a couple of people on Facebook that don't need to like their post or need to like their post, and they're going to go into a frenzy. Hello? I know that doesn't happen to you. Does it? It does happen to me sometimes. Amen. And each and every one of us, we have stepped out of Egypt and we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. But the devil will always try to get you to look back and look over your shoulder. Huh? Kind of like Missouri drivers. (laughs) This is Missouri driving right here. Oh, hey, I better slow down. Come on. Hey, I better get in the slow lane. There's fast people that want to be behind me. I watch this, I watch this lady today. She's in the fast lane, just going for it, you know. And this guy behind her, like, what is she doing? Bro, she's on her phone. <laughs> Wish I could have told him. Amen. But the devil wants you to look back. He's always trying to get you to look in the rearview mirror or to look back and long for the good old days. Instead of focusing on what God has planned for you, what God has purposed you for. He doesn't want you to look to the future. Come on, somebody. Point number two, point number two, let's move on. You need to cross through 
the Red Sea. God told Moses and all Israel, okay, underline that, all Israel, to camp by the Red Sea until Pharaoh came very close with all his troops. I mean, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, why not stay on the run? God, that feels like a good plan. He said, no, 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 I want you to wait until the troops get very close. I don't know about you, but I'm no Moses, but I think I would have started the conversation with, Like we had a good head. We had a good lead on them. Why? Why wait on uh, why wait on Pharaoh? Why wait on our captor? Why wait on what's been trying to destroy us and keep us in captivity? Why am I waiting on that? Yeah. But he tells him, I need you to go through the Red Sea. And the people, watch this, here it is again. Obedience takes you up. Disobedience takes you down, okay? The people did as instructed, and soon Pharaoh was upon them. This doesn't look like a good plan to me. This does not look like a good plan to me, right? But watch this. That night, Moses stretched out his rod over the sea. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, Scripture says, And then an estimated three million of Israel crossed over under the cover of darkness. He stretched out that rod over the sea, and the sea miraculously opened, and the Scripture says they crossed over. Watch this. Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. Somebody say, thank God. Thank God they're literally trapped. And then watch this in verse 22. It says, so the people of Israel, they walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Pastor Mike, did the walls of water wake up the the Egyptians? Evidently not. And even if it did, what was following them? Huh? The pillar of fire and the cloud. So they're under the cover. I would have said something right there to you. They're under the cover of all, they're under the covert operations of Almighty God. How powerful is this? Yeah. So good. So God wants us to be free. Now, now at just the right moment, they're, they're seeing the sea open. Pharaoh's army decided, hey, We need to go ahead and pursue because now God, he's removed the cloud. He's removed that space. And at just the right moment, Moses stretched out his rod again. And the sea completely buried all of Pharaoh's horses and all of Pharaoh's charioteers. Amen. And the people on the other side of the land begin to rejoice. I would have rejoiced also if my enemy was that fast on me and right behind me. Amen. They begin to rejoice Not only had they escaped their enemy, but now their enemy had been totally defeated. So it's important that we cross through the Red Sea. God wants you to be free indeed, separated from Egypt or separated from the world. So that has no more power over your life. And the Red Sea means two very important things. Two very important things. Number one, this, this Red Sea, this a tremendously enormous body of water is a picture of baptism. It's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament version of baptism. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4, this is so good. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. 
I love this because God is reminding us of where we came from. He's reminding us of His saving power, His providing power, His healing power, His gracious power. And He says this right here. Don't forget about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them. If you're following with me in Scripture, I want you to highlight all or or, or mark it down. All. A-L-L. Underline it right there. It says all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them. Go ahead and every time I say all, you need to mark it. You need to highlight it. You need to underline it. He says all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. And all of them drank the spiritual water. The same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All. I love this because... Each of us need to be baptized at the beginning of our Christian journey. Water baptism, you say, Pastor Mike, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've never been baptized. Look at me. Look at me right here. You need to be baptized. Amen. Scripture teaches this. It's not forceful, okay, but it encourages us. Number one, because it talks about going through Red Sea, and I'll tell you the second one here in a second. Water baptism is quite necessary. Not for salvation. The blood of the Lamb did that. Amen? But for your freedom. Can you hear what I'm saying to you? You got saved. Now you need to walk through the waters of baptism. Amen? So God can defeat the devil and his angels who are coming after you. And all of hell. Second, Secondly, the Red Sea symbolizes deliverance. It symbolizes baptism. Secondly, it symbolizes deliverance. Amen? And not until the Israelites walked through the sea were they free from Egypt's power. And I love that, that every one of these, it refers to all of them. God in Scripture, the Holy Spirit in Scripture states, all of us have benefited from God's provisions. Listen, you might not have tapped into God's provisions yet. You might not have tapped into God's provision of salvation yet, but you've still benefited from it even though you don't know that you benefited from it. Amen? We've all benefited from what God has done. All of us have benefited from God's deliverance through, uh, though many of them choose to complain, you've still benefited. You choose to reject God's love, you're still a benefit. You're you're still a beneficiary. Amen? Even though you, we talked about that, you're trying to reject God's love, God will love you anyways. Amen? Amen? You're trying to reject God's purposes. You're still a beneficiary of them. And every one of us, all, every, each and every one of us, all of us have experienced the supernatural benefits of deliverance, the supernatural benefits of guidance, the supernatural benefits of the provision of God, whether we choose to grab them up or not. All of them. When we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, our old habits, our old thoughts, our bondages were crushed by God's power. But we, like Israel, are going to have to learn to walk in that freedom. Amen. Point number three. The power of water baptism. The power of it. Listen, look, look, it's a supernatural moment that you're walking through. You're going through the Red Sea. And you're coming out delivered. Amen. You're coming out delivered. That's the importance of it. Baptism is like a burial of your old life. Some of, some of us need to bury 
You need to bury what you've been through. You need to bury the anxiety. You need to bury the depression. You need to bury the frustration. Somebody help me preach. You need to bury the unforgiveness and step out a freed man or a freed woman in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Pastor Mike, prove it with scripture. I never thought you would ask. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? You remember Jesus was crucified on the cross, and then three days later, he was what? Risen from the dead. Amen. He was baptized. Jesus was baptized. Another reason that we should be baptized. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Verse 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. You see this? And just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I don't want to get saved and live the same old mess I was living. I want to get saved. I want to get baptized. I want to come up new in Christ. That's what Scripture talks about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, behold, all things are new. Amen. And as God's people walked through the Red Sea, think about this. This wall of water was so high on either side of them that it appeared, they appeared to go down into the water and disappear. I want that old mess of my life to disappear and get washed away. I want that old frustrations. I want that old unf- unforgiveness. Come on, somebody. I-, I want that to be dead and gone. And when we were baptized, we were immersed into the water, just like Jesus was when John bapti- baptized him in the Jordan River. In Mark chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up, Out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And this symbolizes that our old life has ended. Our old life in Egypt is gone. My old life in sin is gone. My old life in disobedience is gone. My old life in addiction is gone. Hallelujah. And that we are starting a brand new life without Pharaoh. Huh? I don't need somebody bossing me around. I don't need Pharaoh bossing me around. I don't need Pharaoh taking more from me and giving me nothing in return. How many of you guys know that's not what God does? That's what the devil does. Praise God. In Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Listen, our conscience is that part of us, it's that part of our soul that either assures you or condemns you about your past. Hello? That's why when I got baptized... I remember. I go back. That's why when I, I, I uh, 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 we dedicated our children unto God, our kids get sick or they get frustrated. I remind the devil that I've dedicated this child unto God. They were God's first. They have been God's all along, and they'll stay being God's. Come on, somebody. And I remind the devil they are God's. Amen. Same as I do with my own heart and my own life. And we, we see this in our conscience is that part of our soul that assures us or condemns us, you need to be baptized. Amen? To assure your faith. 
to secure that space between you and God that says, hey, I remember when I got saved. I remember when I got baptized and I walked away from that mess. Let me, let me prove it to you one more time. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Water, that water is a picture of baptism which, say, which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body. Nobody handed me a bar of soap in a baptism tank it was the blood of Christ that was washing away all my sin. Come on, somebody. It was the sprinkling of that spirit that we, we, we call the spirit, we call the Holy Spirit. The scripture refers to him as water at times in the scripture. He washed away all that mess. And it said this, that removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience, it is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is not effective because I got into the tank. Baptism is effective because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of the Spirit, the water of the Spirit. Amen? And baptism, watch this, deliverance, listen, th think about this. Deliverance does not come through water baptism, but by testifying that I've entered the ark of safety. I'm in the ark with Noah and his family. When God flooded the earth, I'm in the, I'm in the ark. Because of my salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in the ark because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm in the ark because I believe. You remember with, when, when the world, it, it hadn't rained like that. And Noah was telling the whole world, it's getting ready to rain. It's getting ready to flood. It's going to destroy the earth. They said, this man is whack crazy. This man's crazy. He's, he's off. He's off. But he was listening to God. And who got in the ark? Only Noah and his family. The only, who, the only ones that believed. And the Bible says then that God shut the door. we got to pay attention to that. Amen. And so deliverance doesn't come through water baptism but by testifying. And baptism, uh, baptism, uh, baptism, baptism, I make fun of myself. You ain't even got to jump in, okay? <laughs> baptism, Uncle Rod, is a point in time, I know he's going to get me later, when we publicly declare that we have buried the past and we're moving on in our journey with Jesus Christ. I'm not listening to what Pharaoh's got to say any longer. Baptism takes me another step closer, amen, and destroys all my enemies. Point number four, I've only got two more, we're done. The power of deliverance. Pharaoh had an army, and so does Satan. Hello? Satan has an army of demonic powers trying to drag you back into Egypt. Trying to drag you back into unbelief. You, you, you were preaching with me a lot earlier when I was going on about this. All right, Satan's got an army of demonic powers. They're highly skilled at manifesting their personalities, even through human beings. One man that Christ set free in Mark chapter 5, the wild man from Gadara, had as many as 6,000 demonic spirits on the inside of him. That's what scripture says. He was running crazy, naked in the tombs and naked in the cemeteries, cutting himself with stones. And they would try to chain him down and they couldn't do nothing with him. But then Jesus showed up set him free and put him in his right mind. Come on, somebody. And by the blood of Jesus, somebody shout right here. Come on, help me. By the blood of Jesus, Satan's power has been broken over our lives. Satan's power has been broken over our addictions. Satan's power has been broken over my frustration and my anxiety and my fears. Come on, somebody. However, He'll still seek to control you, body, mind, soul, and spirit. He'll try to keep us bound up with bad habits and addictions. 
I know a lot of I, I know a lot of Christians. They still have bad habits and addictions. They haven't walked through the Red Sea and got delivered from. I wait. Amen. All right, here we go. He'll attack our thoughts. He'll attack our emotions. He'll get you mad at your family, and you didn't even know there was a problem. He'll get you jacked up at somebody else, and you didn't even know there was an issue. Amen? Well, I bet they think, I bet they think, and you've assumed way too much, and it's destroying, come on, it's destroying your thought life. It's destroying the processes that are on the inside of you. He works overtime to get us not to control our tongues. Because James chapter 3 and verse 2 said, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And I even think that moment, I, I don't know about you, I've done it before, Erica, I've done it, I won't say it. Oh, I better not even say it. Listen, you've already thought it. You've already got the crowd's interest peaked so high. That you go ahead and say it, huh? I know some of you don't. Some of us do, okay? Some of us do. Scripture says we got to control our tongues. And the devil, he'll especially try to keep us in the grip of bitterness and unforgiveness. A lot of us, like, we're literally on that off-ramp right there. Bitterness and unforgiveness, and we have flat tires. And no AAA. You know, it's getting worse these days. You can't even borrow your buddy's AAA. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that was funny right there, Delvon. That was funny. I don't care who you are. All the devil's intentions for your life is evil, destructive, divisive, confusing, full of fear. Come on. Because there's nothing good in him. Nothing good. Even Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, the scripture says, anger gives a foothold to the devil. All right? Don't give the devil an opportunity to inflame your anger into something bigger. Get forgiveness. Go ahead. Write the letter. Go ahead. Say that, hey, I forgive you and I love you and I need you to forgive me and love me because anger is sinful because it starts attacking people and it seeks revenge rather than addressing the problem. Just seeking revenge. And even though we're saved, there's a lot of areas in our lives that are grieving the Holy Spirit and giving Satan a legal foothold in which he can freely operate. And why does he have, uh, why does he have access? Well, we can experience the mighty power of God to deliver us and to set us free from all those things. The problem is, is that many of us, we've left the devil an extra set under the mat. I'll wait. I'll wait. We li just in case I need to get angry. Ooh, just in case I need to go ahead and get Irish right here in this moment. Come on. Just in case, huh? Just in case I need to have a weekend out with the guys or the girls. I'll just leave. I mean, he's probably not going to bother the keys. 
Hello? Better move on. I've got to get this done. I've got to come in for a landing here. Listen, deliverance is a spiritual house cleaning. It's a, sp- it's a spiritual house People don't want to talk about deliverance in this day and hour. People don't want a spiritual house cleaning in this day and this hour. But some of us need to call Mary maids. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Watch this. Matthew 12. Jesus told us that when an unclean spirit leaves a person, when you get saved, and those unclean spirits get kicked out, they have no more access, the Bible says it seeks to return back to you. This is just like the devil. It says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and it finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Oh, hey, they cleaned the place up. It's really nice in here. I think I'll stay. Got new paint, new appliances. Come on. This is nice. But watch. When we get saved, our spirit is now swept clean, free of the dirt and the stain of sin. However, if we don't go through a thorough house cleaning and let the Holy Spirit occupy us, Satan will be able to return. Especially if you leave him a set of access, a set of keys. Matthew chapter 12, verse 45. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil. Than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. I don't know if you're paying attention to what. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's why many new Christians don't stay free. They've not abandoned, they've not renounced, they've not completely removed Satan as an illegal resident in their body, in their mind, in their spirit. They haven't yet evicted him. Amen. It's good preaching right there. And they'll leave him as an occupant. It's, it's just kind of like they just leave him on the lease. Hello? I'll wait. Amen. In Exodus chapter 20, there's three main ways that Satan, three, three main ways. I put up four, but I mean three. There's three main ways Satan seeks to retain control in our lives, even after we come to Christ. Even after we come to Christ. Number one, really quick, and I don't have time to break all this down, but I just want to give you this really fast. First are generational bondages. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, it says, You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and the fourth generations of those who reject me. All right? So these are patterns of addiction, patterns of habits, patterns of criminal activity or divorce and other such things that have moved through our family line perhaps for decades. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, somebody say, thank God for the blood. Through the blood, we've been set free from these things, but we need to enforce that freedom by renouncing the power of those generational bondages. Amen. Praise God. Number two, really fast. Curses are the second thing. Curses are a way that Satan tries to control us. I remember out in the state of California, I hadn't heard a whole lot about this kind of stuff, but somebody come up to me and they said, hey, they have a, they have a witch's coven. Okay, I didn't even know what they was talking about. 
They said they have a witch's coven that is throwing curses at this church, at Legacy Church right here in the state of California. They're throwing curses at you all. What are you going to do about that? I said, we're going to declare the blood of Jesus. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. It's exactly what we're going to do. Because God is stronger, and God is wiser, and God is bigger, and God is more powerful. And I've been delivered from all that mess. Come on, somebody. Amen. So curses. Amen. Curses are a way. Galatians 3.13. Pastor Mike, prove it. I'm going to give it to you quick. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced even by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Amen. For it's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Talking about crucifixion. And through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to the children of of Abraham do you see that with the same blessing so that we who are believers might receive the the promised Holy Spirit through faith amen through faith not through law not through order not through process and not through religion but through the blood of Jesus Christ come on somebody amen through the blood through the blood through the blood through the blood praise God and God told Israel if you broke the law a curse would come upon you in your finances, in your emotions, in your health, your mental health, and in other areas, according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And when we live in violation of God's word, Satan has a legal right to enforce the curse of the law. He's got that legal right. But when we come to Christ, that curse is broken. Come on, somebody. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus, and it's going to take a whole lot more than a witch's coven to destroy that in your heart or in your life. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thirdly, soul ties. It's a tactic Satan uses against us. A, a, a soul tie is an unspiritual connection between you and someone else that you have a deep, often sexual relationship with. That unholy relationship gives Satan access, and it's an open door into our lives. And watch this, God forbade, he forbids those kind of relationships to the people of God, to the people of Israel. Look at Numbers 33, 55, and I'm almost done. I'm so close, I'm so close. Alec, worship team, would you come? I'm done, Alec. How many of you guys know who my timekeeper is? Anybody know? Anybody know? Anybody have an idea? It might be. I don't know. It might be. It might be. Numbers 33, verse 55. I, I want you to see this in your life, okay? Uh, the keys. Th this is such a good illustration. Look at this. If you fail to drive out those people, if you fail to drive out those people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you, hey, 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 in the land where you live. Amen? In the land where you live. I, I love this. It, it, we must expect trouble and affliction from whatever sin that we indulge in. If we do not drive out sin, sin will drive us out. Drive us out of the presence of God. Drive us out of our mission, our calling, our purpose. Drive us out of purity. Come on, somebody. Amen. If we're not the death of our lusts, our lusts will be the death of our souls. It's so powerful that we get rid of those things. So, Pastor Mike, how do we do that? Really quick, number five, 
breaking Satan's strongholds. A stronghold is a prison. That's what it is. And I want to tell you, the prison door is open because of the blood of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is call upon the name of God. He will save you and rescue you. But then you got to walk out of that stronghold. you got to walk out of that prison. Hello? I'll wait. you got to walk out of that space. Amen. And so breaking Satan's strongholds. Listen, don't stay in that space. I know people every service say, Pastor Mike, you got to break this stronghold. Pastor Mike, you got to break this generational curse. Pastor Mike, you got to break this. Pastor Mike, we got to. Listen, Jesus has done all that. You need to accept it. You need to start walking in that. You need to start taking away the access that you've given unto the devil in your heart and given it unto him in your life. Praise God. I can pray till I'm blue in the face like I probably am now. Alan told me, he said, hey, man, don't have a heart attack up there, bro. Don't have a heart attack. You look like you're going to have a heart attack up there. I just get excited. Just get excited about what God's doing. Listen, all the bondages, all the curses, all the soul ties have been broken by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. But we got to take control. Amen. Self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. got to declare our total freedom from the destructive habits, the addictions, the emotions, the thoughts, and the relationships. And this is part of the total house cleaning that God wants you to have, that Satan has no more access into your life. How do you do that? Really quick, renounce Satan with your mouth in any of those areas where he's trying to control you. Pronounce freedom. Stay surrendered unto God. So powerful right there. We forget that spot. That's why it's important when we come into worship, Jerry, it's it's important that I surrender my heart and my life. I love that the worship team's doing it. But God needs me to walk in that space of surrender. God needs me to sing a worship song under his name. God needs me to lift him up, amen, to walk into that space. Praise God. Secondly, forgive and release. Amen. Forgive and release all of those who've contributed to your bondage in the past. Hey, set them free. Set yourself free. You feel that? You feel that right there? Finally, rejoice in your liberty, liberty like Israel did on the Red Sea shore after their mighty deliverance. Scripture said they started singing a song. I could see Miriam on the other side of the Red Sea. She said, ooh, Moses, I got words welling up on the inside of me, words of freedom and words of salvation and words of declaration that God will destroy his enemies and he'll destroy every one of them in the flood of the Red Sea. He destroyed all of them. All of them. There was a movie that came out. I can't remember what it was. Gods and Kings or something like that. Exodus, Gods and Kings. And it showed that Pharaoh lived. That's not true story. You took part of it, but you wrecked it with Hollywood. Anyways, let's move on. God destroyed all of them. Amen. All of them. Pastor Mike, as our prayer team comes this morning, Pastor Mike, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Pastor Mike, I'm not wise enough. Pastor Mike, I've not made all the right decisions my whole life. I'm not good enough to receive the mercy of God. I'm not good enough to receive the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, neither were the Israelites. 
But the scripture says all of them experience salvation. All of them experience provision. All of them experience the power of God in their heart and the power of God in their life. Will you stand with me all over the building? Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. But I want to say yes to him today. I want to say yes to him right now. Is there anyone in the house? Pastor, that's me. I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. I want to be saved. And I want to be baptized. I, I need to do that. Pastor, I need to do that very soon. I, I've got to do that. Is there any hands in the building? That's, that's me, Pastor. I want to be saved. I want to be healed today. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, young lady. Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved today. I want to commit my heart, to, uh, my heart and my life to Christ. I want to be baptized. I want to go through that Red Sea of deliverance, that Red Sea of baptism. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Anyone else this morning? Listen, I want to pray a prayer with you. I want you to, I want you to take a next step of faith, as a matter of fact, if you'll do it. I want you to take a next step of faith. I want you to come up with one of these prayer team members right now. Say, I want to be saved. I want to commit my heart. I want to commit my life to Christ. Will you do that? We take that step of faith. Come on out. God bless you. 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 Grab one of these other leaders. Sean DeWee, slide over here. Say, I want to commit my heart. I want to commit my life to Christ. I need to be baptized, Pastor. And this team, they're going to lead you through that prayer. They're going to talk with you about that right now. They're going to talk to you about that. I'm here for another group of people. I'm here for one more group of people. Pastor Mike, I need to walk through that space of baptism. Not, not just a formality. I'm not going to just say it. I'm going to do it. I want to get baptized. But the two things that I need, and I'll, we'll handle that here in just a few weeks, baptism in water. But, Pastor, something I need to do is I need to walk in my own deliverance. I need to walk in that healthy space for my own life. I need to take away the access. Smitty, will you come right here? Smitty, you stand right here. I need to take away that access. Here comes a young man right here. But I need to take, Ben, Shauna, will you guys help me real quick? You guys stand right over here and help me right quick. Say, hey, thank you, Gabby. Say, I need to, I need to come out of that space. I need to walk in freedom. I've got some other people right over here. Come on over here. Pray with these guys. Will you do it? Pastor, I need to walk out of this space. The bondages that are over my life, the spiritual addiction, or not spiritual addiction, but the, the addictions that are in my life, I need to walk out of that place and walk out of that space right now. God wants to free you. God wants to help you. God wants to deliver you. That you might walk in your purpose and walk in your calling and walk in your gifting right now. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. I challenge you right now to slip a hand up and just begin to worship with us. Just slip that hand up forward and just pray for these students and these people being saved and these people coming out and stepping into that next step. Coming out of